Hear now the story of Easter as I read from the Gospel of Luke, 24th chapter. Listen to the Word of God. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Then these words from the Apostle Paul, from his letter to the Romans. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. In the year 1815, about 10 miles south of Brussels in what is present-day Belgium, one of the greatest battles in history was fought between Napoleon's French army and the British army and their allies under the leadership of the Duke of Wellington. The story is told that when the Battle of Waterloo ended, the news was carried to London. And the signal flag on Winchester Cathedral began to repeat the message. Letter by letter, it was spelled out by flag. W-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N-D-E-F-E-A-T-E-D. -E 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 Wellington defeated. And at that moment, so the story goes, a dense fog obscured the signal flag so that news of the loss 
in battle quickly spread, and all of London was depressed. But later in the day, the fog cleared, and the disheartened people were overcome with joy as the signal flag moved again to spell out the complete message. Wellington defeated T-H-E-E-N-E-M-Y. Defeated the enemy. So that what seemed to be a crushing defeat for the Duke of Wellington was in reality an amazing victory. Well, there was once another man whom many thought to be utterly defeated. We had been hoping that this was the one who would liberate Israel, said two of Jesus' dejected disciples after the crucifixion. Crucified, dead, and buried, says the Apostles' Creed of him. Some 30 years of preparation and three years of active ministry came to an abrupt, shameful end. It seems that Jesus had aroused many enemies who saw him as a dangerous radical, as a disturber of the status quo, a lawbreaker, and blasphemer, so that it became their one aim to do away with him. And in the end, they nailed Jesus to a cross. And as his enemies watched him die and heard him cry out, it is finished. They surely congratulated one another. Got him at last. We finished him off. Now we can get on with the real business of our religion. It is finished, said Jesus from the cross. And many, no doubt, said the same. The disciples who had gone back to their fishing nets, the Roman soldiers who had completed yet another crucifixion, the Jewish authorities with a sigh of relief. To many, Jesus' words, it is finished, seemed to be an admission of defeat, as if, as if he were saying, I've done my best, and I'm sorry for having failed. The great cause for which I've lived is now doomed. It's all come to an end. It's finished. I'm finished. But they couldn't have been more wrong. Jesus didn't mean that at all. His words were not a cry of defeat, but a cry of victory. It was a shout of triumph. He was saying, I've done it. I've completed my mission. God's plan has been completed and fulfilled. His work has been carried out. I'm finished. It is finished. His mission was to rescue sinners. He came to bring humanity back into right relationship with God. He died that we might be made right with God, overcoming the separation caused by our own human sin and rebellion. And so what had seemed like a crushing defeat for Jesus was, in fact, an overwhelming victory for him and for all who believe. For by his death on the cross and his resurrection three days later, the power of sin and death was broken, making possible a new beginning with God. And it's that victory we celebrate this morning. This is why we're pulling out all the stops and we got the full orchestra, we got the Muckleteal Tabernacle Choir here. 
That's why the angels are still singing to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever, so that we are celebrating an amazing turn of events. God turned the evil that was done to Jesus into something beautiful and good. God turned tragedy into triumph. Christ is the victor. He lives. Amen. The early Christians used to greet the sun on Easter morning saying, Nike, that's right, Nike, which means victory in Greek. And yes, it is the name used by the company producing running shoes and other athletic wear. I bet when you came in here and saw the sermon title, you thought I was going to talk about shoes. <laughs> Not talking about shoes. Talking about victory. Most amazing victory ever in all world history. Although you got to give credit to uh, Phil Knight or whatever. That's a pretty clever name, actually, for an athletic shoe. But, yeah, but I don't have a swoosh here either. On the, there's no, no swoosh. Now, Nike also happens to be the goddess of victory. And I was reminded that uh, kind of front and center in the Louvre in Paris, there is that headless winged statue, the, uh, the goddess Nike, God for victory. According to legend, in the Battle of Marathon, news of the successful battle by the Greeks was sent by a messenger back to their home city 26 miles away, hence the origin of the marathon race. The messenger was so exhausted when he got there that he said one word, Nike, victory, although he wouldn't have said it so confidently because apparently he died from dehydration and exertion right after he said that. Marathon racing is very dangerous. <laughs> so today, you and I also shout, Nike! The victory is Christ's. And the victory is also ours because we too have a share in Christ's triumph. We too are winners. The risen Christ makes us winners in this life and the next. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us who loves us now. The risen Christ enables us to live victoriously. We can become victors even in the midst of hardship and trial and tribulation, heartache, tragedy. He can enable us to turn those sad things that would defeat us into victory. You know, think of that original group of disciples. They were bewildered. They were frightened, hiding behind locked doors, convinced that it was all over, that it was, that it was finished. But then all of a sudden, the risen Christ appeared to them, and they were out in the streets, and they were turning the world upside down, impressing others with their courage and their love and their joy. Defeated followers became victorious heralds of good news. A church was born, and a world was forever changed. Victory out of seeming defeat. And then there was the Apostle Paul, the great apostle, who many times might have admitted defeat battered and bruised for his faith, in and out of prison, expecting death at any moment. He continued to hold on and hold out for Christ. He saw even his, in his prison experience an opportunity to share the gospel. The word spread as he continued to proclaim his faith and his joy. Rejoice, again I say rejoice. He could say that in a dark dungeon cell. When all seemed lost, he went on to conquer. And so it has been ever since.
Believers in the risen Christ have triumphed over their trials, their troubles, finding hope and courage in the most trying circumstances. Perhaps you can point to some instances in your own life where you felt like in life you were defeated. Defeat stared you in the face. Perhaps you were going through some real emotional turmoil. Perhaps you were contending with a, with a sickness or with a loss of a loved one or a divorce or unemployment or financial troubles. You thought all was lost. And yet somehow you managed to survive. God brought you through. And you can look back and you can see how something good came even out of those terrible circumstances. The risen Christ has a way of overcoming evil with good, failure with faith. We are all more than conquerors through him who loves us. And so we celebrate. He helps us to live victoriously. He also helps us to die victoriously. Death is the great hush-up in our culture. It is said to have replaced sex as the unmentioned, unmentionable taboo of our society. We just don't want to deal with the subject. The Frenchman Pascal spoke a truth for our day. He said, we spend all of our lives trying to take our minds off death. Closer to our own day, it was Woody Allen who said, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. And yet, because of Jesus' victory over death, it ought not to be feared. Christ took the sting out of death so that no longer, it no longer has power to ultimately destroy or to separate. Because of Jesus' triumph over the grave, we understand that death is not the end, but only a fulfillment, that death is also the gateway to a greater life. Someone has said the final heartbeat for the Christian is not the mysterious conclusion to a meaningless life. It is rather the grand beginning to a life that will never end. Christians believe that Jesus not only passed through death, but that he conquered it. And he gives you and me a share in that victory. He gives us eternal life as a gift. New life now, life forever with him. And it's a gift that you and I can receive in faith. So what then holds terror for the Christian? Certainly not even physical death, our last enemy. I can't tell you how many times I've stood at the graveside of somebody. I've officiated at uh, more memorials and funerals than I would care to count. It's part of life, isn't it? But every time I stand at the grave, I am filled with Easter hope. And every time we stand at the grave, it's a little celebration. It's a celebration of Jesus' resurrection. It's to know that death does not have the last word. We don't live our lives and experience all that we experience only to die and to disappear in some everlasting void. Christ triumphed over the grave, and we share his victory. How grateful I am for that sure and certain hope. Thank God for that hope. Amen. Amen. So again, what can hold terror for the Christian, really? 
Paul is sure that nothing in the whole creation can tear us apart from God's love in Christ. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. O death, where's thy sting? O grave, where's thy victory? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In life, or in death, we are winners because Christ triumphed over evil and the grave. That's the message of Easter. And so we say, we shout, Nike! Nike! Nike. The victory is his and ours. Amen. Please pray with me. How wonderful, how marvelous is your love, Jesus, to think that you were willing to endure the cross for us. What a day of rejoicing that must have been when you rose and realized it was all over. You had won the victory. You had accomplished your mission. You had made the way for the world to be saved. You had gone through the horrors of hell and death for us, and it was over. You arose in victory, joy, liberation, and freedom from the hands of evil men, never to have to go through that again, and you did it all to spare us the same. Now we can say with the Apostle Paul, O oh, death, where is your sting? And as we think of the seemingly terrible defeat that you suffered and how it resulted in such a tremendous victory, it fills us with wonder and gives us such hope and peace. Surely you and your love will see us through whatever troubles may come our way from now till eternity. Walk among us, Lord, and touch our troubled lives. Give hope to the hopeless, strength to the weak, love to the lonely, comfort to the grieving, faith to the faithless. We especially pray for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who face persecution, who are suffering because of their faith. We think of those in the Middle East and in Africa in particular, many of whom have been murdered because they dared to name you as their Lord. O oh Lord, strengthen the persecuted church. Embolden your people by your spirit to stand up for you when faced with hostility or with undue cultural pressures to conform. Help us to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us and to rely on your spirit to direct our thoughts and words and actions. Let the radiance of your resurrected presence shine upon us as it shone upon your first disciples and make new persons of us as it did of them. Transform us from frightened, hesitant, uncommitted followers into people who are courageous and passionate, people who know what they have seen and will follow it unto death. Live in and through us, walk among us, and teach us to walk with you. And grant that no boy or girl, man or woman, will leave here today without having stood in your presence and known it. For we have no other reason for being here. You alone have the words of eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for giving us all a share in your victory. Reign over us now and forever. Amen. <laughs>